0: Welcome home. As you listen to New Life The Fort, may you continue to experience the fullness of joy, life, and Christ in the days ahead. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. We've read this scripture maybe several times the past few weeks. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, and this is how it's rendered in this version. There is still so much more to say of His unfailing love. Everything else will fail, but His love will never fail. Amen. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration. He declared it. God declared it. You are now righteous in my sight. So as far as God is concerned, the way He sees you, the way He looks at you, there's nothing wrong. You are absolutely perfect in His sight. Because as He is, so are we in this world. He's is If Jesus is perfect, Because you are in Him. You are perfect. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, and this is the point I want to kind of highlight today, you will never experience the wrath of God. You will never, even a single second, even a nanosecond, you will never experience the wrath of God. Father, our prayer is this that what you're saying here becomes so real in our lives that every time we walk, every walking moment, every waking moment, everywhere we go, we are so aware, God's not mad at me. God loves me so much. He gave His Son. I am washed by the blood. I have been made righteous in His sight. This is our prayer. And I pray that it becomes so real that it melts cancers. It it takes away, uh, you know... uh, headaches and colds and even even things that should not be in our bodies. Thank you, Lord God. All doubt and fear, they melt away. Thank you, Jesus, because there is no fear in your love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, I know it's raining, so I want us to declare, you know, in in Jerusalem, we're giving to Israel uh, today, uh, this month. But in Israel it's a, it's a they consider rain a blessing. So declare this to maybe two or three people say it's raining blessings in your house. It's raining blessings in your house. It's raining blessings. God's blessings upon your house is pouring in. Hallelujah. The wrath of God Many times in our lives, at least in the past, when we hear this, it strikes fear, the wrath of God. And uh, it's not unusual when, uh, you know, maybe they say it as a joke, maybe they say it flippantly, but it's not uncommon to hear. Like, for example, if I say, at least before, I say, oh, I'm going to church, oh, I went to church, and people will go, oh, really? Um, You're going to church? Are you sure? You, You won't be hit by lightning you know. We say that because in the back of our heads, we know that God will judge. At least that's the way we were trained. Really, that's coming out of the fact that in, in, at least in the scripture, we've been made more aware of the wrath of God more than the love of God. Well, in this place, in this church, our focus is the love of God. Because it is the love of God that's more enduring. His mercy endures forever. The beginning of that is the Lord is good. He is good. And His love endures forever. And so why would we focus on something that's already passed and passing away? The the judgment, the anger, the wrath of God for the believers. uh, The believers, the focus is His goodness, His love. It is the goodness of God that brings people to repentance as the scripture has said. But... It's also true, in the scripture at least, that it's, it's you know, for people who don't believe, it's the, 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 the wrath of God is, is a great possibility. I'll give you a statement later on that some of you might be shocked. But let me read this scripture in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31. Because we're not denying that God's anger is, is there, but not maybe for the reason that a lot of people think. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31, it says here, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that's New Testament. But of course, He's speaking to the Jews. He's speaking to Hebrews. But the good news is, this is not for the believer. If you're a believer, say, it's not for me. Because we just read, you will never experience the wrath of God. Some people say, wrath of God. I don't know what you choose, wrath or wrath. It's the same. The Bible says, That for those who believe, we know that Jesus did not come to condemn us. That's why the scripture says in verse 18 of chapter 3, it says, He who believes in Him is not condemned. Any believers in the house? So you're not condemned. Right after that it follows, but he who does not believe. Somebody say believe. Say does not believe. What's the statement? It says, is condemned already. Well, number one, if you don't believe, then, then your heart condemns you. The accuser condemns you. Other people may condemn you. And that's the mindset. That's also, that's a constant reminder of our failure. But uh, let's look at a different perspective of the wrath of God. In fact, the we can say this. The wrath of God was consumed, was exhausted in the person of Jesus Christ. What happened? That happened on the cross. That happened when Jesus... Uh, was bleeding on the cross God's wrath now we can say this that God's God's wrath is his love in action against sin that divides us because God didn't want anything to divide us against him between the two of us nothing should come between the two of us but did Jesus pay for our sin maybe not sure Let me tell you without a shadow of doubt that Jesus paid for all our sin. Not just some of our sin. Not just some of the more grievous sins. No, all our sin. If you're listening to Charlie a while ago doing the communion, you know, he paid for all our sin. It's a wonderful thing. Sometimes we get so used hearing it, but I pray that once in a while we would pause and really consider that statement. For all our sin. If Jesus paid for our sin then sin actually is not the issue. And this is the statement I want to say, that maybe a lot of people would get, wait a minute, what what does that mean? I'll say this, sin does not separate people from God any longer. Sin is no longer the excuse, because Jesus paid for our sin. So what's now dividing us between Him, between us and God? It's not sin because Jesus paid for the sin, it's unbelief. If people do not believe, the Bible says, those who do not believe, they're condemned already. It's, it's no longer the sin issue. Praise the Lord. And people, they, they simply don't believe, maybe because they don't know. But who's supposed to bring the good news? It's not just the pastor, it's not just the leaders in the church. Guess what? It is you. Do you believe? Then you have what you need, your story. The gospel that you know. Why did you believe in the first place? Sometimes we complicate sharing the gospel. We hide it behind the word evangelism, and it's a it's a intimidating word. You don't have to evangelize. No, you just simply talk, communicate, tell your story. Amen. So that people who do not know the love of God will truly understand the love of God. In fact, uh, to back up that claim, to back up that statement. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Before we hear the lines, He became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. This is what it says. In the voice translation, it says, It is central to our good news. This is the root of why we believe. In other words, that God was, not, was in the anointed, Jesus Christ, of course, making things right, right between Himself and the world. This means... He does not hold their sin against them. God's not holding your sin, however uh, long ago your sin was or however recent it is. He does not hold it against you. There's this guy. He's a great preacher. In fact, uh, his brother is uh, John Wesley, a revivalist, spoke, you know, the Word of God and, and, and really, you know, convicted a lot of people and, and people, there was a revival that happened when the, the, the two would would preach all over the place. And this is Charles Wesley. And he, he likes to write hymns, songs. And this is what he said. Considering and thinking about the, the what Jesus has done. And this is what he wrote. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain. For me who... Him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? He couldn't understand. It does not make sense. We We can put it together in this sentence. That God is not mad at you. Because people think God's mad at them. No, 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 no. My friend, God is not mad at you. It's truer to say God is mad about you. He's crazy for you. Crazy for you. God is crazy for me. I don't know if you've, if you've fallen head over heels hill, over somebody. That you can't stop thinking about them. When you wake up in the morning. When you check your phone. When you make your coffee. When you eat your breakfast. When you go to work. You're just thinking about that person. Oh, to tell you the truth. This is exactly how I feel each and every day. Pastor Mitch. True. I can't help it. But if you think you've fallen in love, we we haven't even scratched the surface on how much God loves you. He is crazy, crazy for you. He's mad about you. Somebody say, God's crazy for me. There's this, uh, because, you know, we mentioned a song. So let me me share with you uh, another sister that wrote These lines. And she said, I see you through the smoky air. Can't you feel the weight of my stare? You're so close, but still a world away. What I'm dying to say is that I'm crazy for you. Touch me once and you'll know it's true. I never wanted anyone like this. It's all brand new. You'll feel it in my kiss. I'm crazy for you. That's, of course, Sister Madonna. (laughs) Uh, Wrote that a few decades ago. Crazy for you. Let's think about God being crazy for you. Of course, when we think about somebody crazy, somebody who's lost his mind, somebody who's willing to do something extreme just to display their undying devotion towards that person. Well, God did not just say that he loves you, he actually demonstrated, "I love you, ladies." All the ladies in the house, just wave your hand towards me. There you go. Okay, some of you are still thinking. That's that's me. Yes, of course. Yeah, that's you, right? If if somebody is courting you, and uh, you know they're, it's nice. It's nice to hear, and somebody that you like, because somebody can court you, and you don't like them. It's kind of, please leave me alone, right? I, I mean, but. If somebody likes you and you like them back, but you don't want to show it right away, you want to see how hard they will pursue. And they, and they say these wonderful, beautiful words that, that when you hear them, your heart palpitates. It's nice to hear the words, I love you. Ladies, you know, wives, you, you like your husband to declare, I love you, right? To say, right? Of course. <laughs> right? Right? It's one thing to hear it though, but you're also wanting to hear, to see a bit of demonstration of it. It's nice to have the words with the actions and they match. And God does not just declare it. He wants, He demonstrated His love for us, as Scripture said. Well, speaking about crazy things, before we tap into the New, the New Testament, there have been crazy things that, we see in the Old Testament. When you, when, you, when you read some of the things that the prophets have done. Because we look at some of these guys in the Old Testament. And, and they're like they're super superhuman beings. How could they do these things? It's, it's, it's amazing what they've done. You just read Hebrews chapter eleven, and it chronicles, it it records some of the things that people have done there. Uh, 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 they gave their lives. They did this. They left that. They they performed mighty, mighty deeds. And when you compare yourself to these people, you feel like, wow, that's that's absolutely not me. I don't know if I have what it takes to do that. And if we look at it, let just just scheming some of the things. Like for example, in the Old Testament, you have of course. Abraham, who didn't know God, and God said to him, God speaks to him and says, okay, Abraham, you used to worship other gods, but I want you now to leave your family, leave your land, and go to a place that I will show you. It's crazy. Just hear somebody you don't even worship, and then have that conviction to say, hey, I think it's true. Let's leave. Or you have a prophet in Isaiah. Um, We like reading Isaiah, some one of those wonderful Uh, prophecies and scriptures about Jesus Christ is there but did you know that one time God told Isaiah uh, just to when God instructs his prophets to do something they're displaying a prophetic act that this is what's going to happen to the land if you don't follow this such and such okay so one time God asked Isaiah to um, walk around naked Now, I believe God is not going to do this at this time. It was during that time. Because He was walking around naked and barefoot. And He was doing it for three years. Can you imagine the man of God, if you have children walking around and you see the man of God. Oh, that's that's Him again. Uh, Kids, close your eyes. Walking around naked. One time, uh, uh, Jeremiah, the one who wrote Lamentations. And he was, you know, he was trying to convince. He was trying. He was... He was crying out for his people, listen to what God is saying. This is the coming judgment. If we don't follow, this is, this is, this is what's going to happen. He was warning the king, warning the people, and people thought he was crazy. You know, he, here he is again, it's, he's going to complain, he's going to do all these things, but he was just crying out. One time God instructed him, interesting instruction, Says God says to him, I want you to uh, get yourself a linen underwear. In other words, it's, a, it's something that you need to be wearing. He says, I want you to wear it, but don't let any water touch it. Translation, don't wash your undies. And wear it for a while. <laughs> wear it for a while. And he says, after a while, he says, okay, now take them off. And then I want you to put it between a rock, cleft of a rock. Leave it there for I don't know how long. And then God tells him to go back and check it out. And... See, see what happened. And of course it's already rotten. And he was just displaying this is the pride of Israel. This is how y- you thought because of that you're proud people. But it's going to crumble. It's going to get rotten. Well, there's another guy. His name is Ezekiel. Of course we can go through some of the other prophets. Ezekiel is an interesting guy. If you think these guys was, were, were crazy. This guy, God tells him. One time God tells him. Ezekiel chapter 4. God tells him, wakes up. And these are the days that you wish, you know, I don't know if sometimes you wish, you know, maybe I shouldn't have gotten out of bed. Maybe it's better to just lay down there and uh, let this day pass. Ezekiel wakes up one time and God tells him, okay, I want you to make a miniature city, a model of the city of Jerusalem because it'll be under siege. Enemies will come and surround it. So I want you to make a city And then that's Jerusalem and be surrounded by enemies under siege. Now, then I want you to lie down on one side for 390 days. And on another side, 40 days. That's equivalent to 14 months lying down. And then God says, to make sure you don't move, I will tie you with a rope. Now, who would would say, Lord, me, 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 I want to do that. Nobody would probably volunteer. But Ezekiel was crazy enough to do that. And then to top it up, it didn't end there. God said, okay, now during your days of lying down on one side, I want you to eat bread worse than the beggars would eat. In fact, don't drink too much water. It will be measured. You can't drink too much water. And then God says, by the way, I want you to cook The bread, I want you to bake the bread over human poop. Hello, internet. Human dung. And then, this is when Ezekiel said, okay, um, hold on, Lord. I can make the miniature map and the siege. I I can lie down on one side for 14 months and stuff. I will eat bread like you said. I will drink water like you said. But, can we use cow dung instead? Right? And God said, okay, fine. And then the next chapter, God says to him, okay, this time, I don't know if you'll be excited to wake up the next day. Okay, what, what's God going to say? God tells him, no, I want you to get a sword, sword, and shave your head. Um, I don't know if you've ever shaved with a blade. And it can get tricky. You have people, you know, with multiple... Right? Using a sword to shave is challenging. But God says, I want you to use a, a sword and shave your head, and then collect the hair and divide it in three. So, one third of your hair, I want you to burn it in front of people. So, there's a smell when you bur- burn hair, right? I want you to burn it in front of people. And then the next third, I want you to chop it up with your sword. I don't know if you've tried chopping something using a sword. I imagine it's not as easy. <laughs> And then God says, the rest you scatter in the wind. Crazy, crazy instructions. One prophet, Hosea, God says, I want you to marry a prostitute named Gomer. And then when you have kids, I want you to name one of the kids, uh, um, name him Unloved. That's the translation of the name. Can you imagine your name is Unloved? I don't know how you feel every day. Oh, I'm loved. That's my name. And then the other name is not my people. Between not my people and unloved, that's, that's a wonderful family. <laughs> crazy things. But these guys were willing enough to follow crazy extreme instructions because they're devoted to God. And they love their people. Now we, look at, we can look at these and go, maybe I don't have what it takes. I think if we're, our mindset is that, I think we have the wrong perspective. If you look at yourself, you will always have limitations and you will, uh, you will magnify what you cannot do. But if we're looking to God, it is God who will give you the grace to perform these amazing things. And you're not even, you're going to go, I'm sure that was not me because I know me and I can't do that. That's why you glorify God. Even, even Paul said, yet not I, but the grace that works in me it is god's grace if we set our perspective the right way and focus on the god who is gracious who is loving who empowers you um one of the scriptures that i like i like in second timothy chapter 1 verse 12 let's read that second timothy chapter 1 verse 12 this is what it says this is why i'm suffering here in prison now of course this is paul now paul is not resentful paul is not mad that he was in prison. He understood why he was in prison. That's why he says, That's why I am suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it. For I know the one whom I trust. That's the thing I want to pause on. I know the one who I trust. These things come about because of your understanding of who you worship. If you have an intimate relationship with the one who you gave your life to. If you understand that He was the one who loved you first. The Bible says, it's not that we love God. He first loved us. And if you examine what type of love is this, we can say, that's, that's crazy love. And you'll begin to realize, God's not angry that's, God's not trying to withhold things from you. No, He loves you so much. He is crazy about you. In fact, um, there's a scripture, I think, in First John. That the love of God is extreme. It's extreme. You want to know how extreme? You, know you want to know how crazy God's love is for you? Well, look at, let's look at some of the things that God was willing to do. Because He loves us so much. And some of them will sound familiar. Some of them will sound like, oh, I've heard that before. But I'm just stirring up the things again so that you'll be reminded of it. So that this week will pass. And, and you will remember, hopefully, each and every passing day that you know, you wake up in the morning, God loves me. Regardless of the weather. You won't have to sing, rainy days on Mondays. Always get me down. No. <laughs> when you remember the love of God, regardless of the rain... I'm always lifted up. Amen? Uh, How does God show His great love for us? How crazy His love is for us? Well, let's look at something. Uh, Let's start with something very familiar. John chapter 3 verse 16. What does it say? John chapter 3 verse 16. Let's go through that. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if you look closer, every bit in that statement is actually quite extreme. It's not an ordinary statement. Maybe that's why people gravitate towards the Scripture, whether or not they are actually believers. they somehow familiar with the Scripture. Let's see. Why is this statement extreme? Because every item there that actually has worth is extreme. For example, for God. Pause. We're talking about God. We're talking about the... The supreme being of all the universe and all dimensions that have ever existed, everything exists because of him. God, I think that's extreme. And then it follows, it's followed by so loved. It didn't, it was not satisfied just to say for God loved. No, it has to be so loved. That's extreme. That's kind of crazy. So loved. The world. It didn't say a particular nation. It didn't mention a particular tribe. It didn't mention a particular group of people. No, it's all inclusive. Everybody. The world. People, the past, in the present, in the future. He loved the world so much. And let me tell you, some of our actions are not love worthy. At least for other people. But God looked past all these things. And He looks to you. And He says, I love you. I love you so much that what? That He gave His only begotten Son. Only. When you say only, this is it. That's that's extreme. There's no one else. You know, when I was a new Christian, I heard uh, a statement from somebody I respect. You know, and, and I didn't quite... I, I know it was a powerful statement. Sometimes you hear those, but you don't fully understand what it means. I, I, I started understanding what it meant when when you know, we had our uh, own uh, children. He said this, you know, as a father, he said, as a father, because he was mentioning this, he said, as a father, I love my kids. He has a couple of boys. I love my kids. In fact, if it's between you and my children that I need to save, I'm sorry, I love you as a friend, but I will save my kids. And that's true for, for parents, right? You, you gravitate towards saving your children. And if you maybe have time, because you're a, you're a good person. If you have time, if you still have, uh, you know, uh, a moment, you'll try to save other people. But you first want to save. That's the instinct. That's the reflex of a parent. And then, and then he says, let's, let's go a step higher. If I'm really, if, if I really love you, then... I would be willing to give my life to save you. If I could save you and if I could save my kids by giving my life, I would do it. And that's that's kind of intense. Not just trying to save your kids, but willing to now give your life to save somebody else who's not part of your family. But then, that's not the level where God was. God's level was... Much higher, in fact, a little bit harder to understand because no parent, no good parent will be willing to do this. That they will try to save somebody else by sacrificing their own child. You would be more willing to give your life so that somebody, a person you respect or love, would be saved, including your children. But God's love goes beyond. It blows our mind. He is saying, this is how much I want to display my love. It will blow your mind. I will send my only begotten Son so that you will be saved. In fact, it says here that whoever believes, whoever, whoever is an extreme statement. It's, it's an extreme word because it includes everybody who is willing. Like, like, I had an example a while ago. Again, I just want to make it clear this is only an example because after this, it's lunchtime. Let's just say I announce that after this service, whoever wants to go there, I will treat lunch and we can all go to Nui? Niu? <laughs> Nui? Where's that? I, we can all go to Niu in Aura, in Vikings. Just show up and your lunch. Is on me. Woo! Who among you would like that? There you go. Some of you are in denial or in shock. Again, that's only an example. Right? If I say, whoever. If the whole mall shows up, I'll have to pay for it. Praise God. It's only an example. <laughs> that's whoever. But it's way better than just free lunch. This is real life. He said, whoever... Believes in him should not perish, perish, die. That's extreme. There's no more, there's no going back from death. But because of him, he says, You shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Didn't just say ordinary kind of life, it didn't just say life, but an extreme life. What kind of life? Everlasting life. It will outlast even the Energizer Bunny. Many of you don't remember the commercial. I saw it on YouTube last night. Only because of that. No, 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 that's not true. (laughs) That's crazy. Another one. That's number one. God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Number two is this. Remember the statement of Jesus. It says, love your enemies. That's actually impossible. It's not hard to do, it's impossible to do. But he was the one, the first one to actually display that. The scripture says here, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 10. Earlier we read nine, but we'll we'll read eight and ten. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost in and ungodly. God did not wait for you to be a good person. In fact, That's not His target for you. He he didn't die so that you can just be a good person. He died so that you can be the righteous person, as righteous as He is. And then it says, it goes further, verse 10. So if while we were still enemies, that's the point I'm making. It's not that we are okay, normal, you know, trying to be a good person. No, we were actually His enemies. He died for us. God fully reconciled us to Himself through the death of His Son. Not only that He sent His Son to die for us, but He died for us while we were His enemies. I'd say that counts as an extreme act. It's crazy. Why? Because He's crazy for you. Another statement is this. Number three. I'll start with this. There is a song... Several decades back when I was in high school, a friend of mine uh, let me hear it and like, I, I like this song. And, and uh, the title of the song is Get Here. And it, the line goes like this, okay? It's interesting because it says, you know, of course, we're, we're thinking that these two people, they have a, a romantic relationship and they're separated, but they want to be together. And so the singer is saying, I want you to be with me. And, he, and she says it like this. You can reach me by sailboat, climb a tree and swing rope to rope. Take a sled and slide down the slope into these arms of mine. You can jump on a speedy colt, cross the border in a blaze of hope. I don't care how you get here, just get here if you can. I don't care how you get here, but but just get here if you can. It goes on to say, there are hills and mountains and all these things... That divides us. But I don't care about those. Do whatever it takes. Just get here. And to a certain degree, religion has taught us that we can do this. I don't know what you need to do. But you need to do whatever it takes for you to get to heaven. That's why there are certain religions, they will go to extremes. They will will sacrifice their life and sacrifice the life of other people just because they believe if they do that, they will go to heaven. Religion teaches us that. But then we realize that there is nothing that we can do. Try as hard as we could. We can never get there. Until we understand that we don't, we don't have what it takes to get there. That's why He came here. So that He can bring us there. He was the only bridge that can, uh, can, he's the only person that can bridge the gap. And here's the scripture here. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 to 8. I'll read it in the Passion Translation. If Wilka, there are several, it's one thing for God to just leave heaven. He didn't just simply leave heaven and just be on earth. There are certain things that he left behind. He, he was willing to let go of that so that he can be with us. And then he can, we can be with Him forever. Let's read. And consider the example that Jesus, the Anointed One, has set before us. Let His mindset become your motivation. Let the way He thinks, let this mind be in you as it was with Christ Jesus. In other words, verse 6. He existed in the form of God, yet He gave no thought to seizing equality with God as His supreme prize. He didn't hold on to being God to exploit being God that's that's what the bible says next verse instead he emptied himself that's the first first step is he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant he became human that's number 2 he became human he humbled himself as a man not just any human but as a man Number three, and became vulnerable. So it's not just, so he emptied himself, one. Number two, he became human. Number three, he became not just any human, but he became a man. And then a vulnerable man at that. And was obedient, number one, obedient to death. And not just, that's, that's number six, obedient to death. And not just any kind of death but a criminal's death. All these steps, he went, he went lower and lower and lower. The only way He could actually lift us up is if He can get lower. He didn't just pull us up. He went under so He can lift us up. The extreme, extreme steps that Jesus Himself took so that He can be with you and we can be with Him. You know why? Tell somebody, Because he's crazy for you. Because he's crazy for you. You can tell that person, I know you're crazy, but he's crazy for you. (laughs) Another point I want to make here, this is I think number four. I want to revisit the prodigal son. Anybody familiar with the story of the prodigal son? We know the story. The younger son tells his dad, you know, I want my inheritance. Translation, it's taking too long for you to die. I want it now. That's an insult, right? And uh, obviously breaking the law of honoring your mother and your father. Worthy of stoning, worthy of death. But God gives him his share. God gives the older brother his share as well. And now he proceeds to having this prodigal living. Prodigal means it's wasteful, it's extravagant. And of course we see that. But there's another extravagant person that we don't notice. It's the father. In fact, I call him the prodigal father because he was extravagant in his love. The sin of the son, in fact, the two sons had, you know, fallen short. The other one was more obvious. The other one was less obvious, but they all fell short. But God's love received So this younger son comes back thinking, you know, at least I can eat in my father's house. I don't need to be uh, a son. I I can just be a servant, a hired servant. But God accepts him. God was waiting. The father was waiting for him. Every day looking out. This is the day he will return. He will return. The day he returned, he ran towards him, gave him his robe, gave him the slippers, gave him authority, and reinstituted him as son. In fact, he never lost his position as son. Guess what? If you're a child of God, you will never be not a child of God. You're always a child of God, regardless of what you've done, regardless of how you feel. You are a child of God because of what Jesus has done. Amen? Can somebody give Him praise for that? You're God's child. Well, if we're looking for something extreme, we don't have to go further than His death. His death was not like any other kind of death. In fact, that moment in history where crucifixion, crucifixion was the, the death sentence, it didn't last, you know, it it's doesn't go on until now. That was a moment in time, they say it's the m- most cruel way a person could ever die. And that was invented by people, but they didn't know it was designed for Jesus Christ sometimes when we try to explain how painful we experience some pain and I remember our kids we asked this to our kids and I remember going to the hospital you know a few years back and the doctor would ask me "Um, how much pain are you in between one to ten. What is it? And so we would give. You know, is it eight? Is it nine? Is it too extreme? Is it ten? Because if we can't bear it, we'd say it's it's too much. It's ten. It's ten. It's it's, and the word we use is the word excruciating. It's excruciating pain. That's an interesting word. It comes from the a a Latin, excruciatus. You know what it means? It means out of the cross, excruciatus, because. If you can't explain the pain anymore, you have to go to the cross to explain what it is. It's too much pain. But in fact, the truth is, we don't know. We don't know what it cost Him to bear our sin upon the cross. The song says, it's too much pain. But Jesus was willing. His blood was shed, not just on the cross, but between two gardens. In the garden of Gethsemane, all the way to the garden tomb, he, was, he shed His blood. Why? Because our sin, the fall, started in another garden way back. And Jesus paid all the way back there and all the way to the future for all our sin on the cross. Last few things before I end. There's another song that came to mind. Okay lang ba? No, song goes like this. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It says, I will do anything for love. I will do anything, right? I will do anything. That's a great declaration. And then later it says, but I won't do that. I'll do anything. I'll do anything for that, but, you know, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that praise God, this is not what Jesus said. I'll do anything, but I won't do that. He was willing to go through some of the most painful things because He knows being with Him, we will experience the most joyful thing. So it's simply saying that when you say, when you say that song, when you say, when you say that line, I will do anything, but I won't do that. It's, it means that there are certain lines that you don't want to cross. I'll do anything, but not this one. I draw the line here. I will not cross that. But praise God, Jesus carried the cross, and He bore the cross, and died on the cross, and there was no cross. There was nothing that He would not, was not willing to do for you and for me. Why? I think He's crazy in love for you. Clay, crazy in love with you. I don't know if you're the type of person who, because you love somebody so much, you, you want them to be a part of your skin. You write their names as a tattoo, or if you're a little bit more crazy, you will want their picture on your chest. Okay, you're the top. I love you so much. Boom. Their face is right there problem is it's nice when you're younger but as you get older it droops or so they say because I haven't experienced it and never will it droops so you can go who who's that right started out as a model and then it ended up as java the hut or something it just became big <laughs> but there's this there's this interesting when I was when I was in high school uh, I think we were ending we were ending high school and one of the teachers uh, were giving us notes and then she wrote a scripture that I thought was nice really nice but I was not saved you know, I wasn't thinking about oh God loves me I was just thinking well this is a nice scripture you can use or nice line you can use when you like a girl that's what I was thinking imagine how holy I was thinking Before I met Pastor Mitch. But since I met Pastor Mitch, I've forgotten all the girls I've ever loved before. That's a song, right? The line goes like this in Isaiah. I will never forget you. I have inscribed your name in the palm of my hand. That's an interesting line. But I didn't understand it then. Until I understood what happened on the cross. Because Jesus did not have a tattoo of my name did not have my face on his body but he wrote my name on the palm of, a, of his hands using a nail and his scars bear my very person on him this is extreme this is extreme love and love that can't be understood in fact let me sh- share this with you you and I when Jesus returns, we will have glorified bodies. Glorified, wonderful, perfect bodies. That's why I don't understand why Jesus would choose that His scars remain in His body. Because scars mean it's imperfect. And His scars, I'd say, I I'll propose you this. His scars were not just here. He was, his back was shattered. What other scars does he carry to display his love? That's why I believe when we see him with our perfect, perfect bodies and we see his body, we have no choice. Our knees will bow down and go, you love me so much. You love me so much. I'll end with this. There's this hymn that I found. I want to share with you. God is crazy about you. God's crazy about you. I remember one time Pastor Mitch and Sammy, our daughter. She's 10 now, but when she was much younger, they liked to be face-to-face, face-to-face. And I remember one time, I don't remember how, how old she was, but she was quite young. One time, because uh, uh, Pastor Mitch has his beautiful big brown eyes, right? I mean, you can see it from here. He, she can see everything. Even if I'm behind her, she can see what I'm doing. And one time, Sammy was sitting on her lap, and then they were playing around. And then Sammy goes, "Ah, Mommy, I see Sammy in your eyes. Because she could see the reflection of her face. And she was just surprised. You know what that's called? Apple, the apple of your eye. And the Bible says that God loves us so much that we are the apple of His eye. But do you know, you can't see your reflection in His face unless you are intimate with Him. It is in that intimacy that you go, that's me. In your eyes. That's why Jesus was willing to go through all those crazy things. Because He doesn't want this relationship to be distanced. He wants it close. And this is what the Bible says. No, this is not the Bible. It's the hymn. Let me read it to you as I end. It says here, His holy fingers made the bow which grew the thorns that crowned His brow. The nails that pierced His hands were mined in secret places He designed. He made the forest whence there sprung the tree on which His body hung. He died upon... A cross of wood, yet made the hill on which it stood. The sky that darkened o'er His head, by Him above the earth, was spread. The sun that hid from Him its face, by His decree, was poised in space. The spear which spilt His precious blood was tempered in the fires of God. The grave in which His form was laid was hewn in rocks in His hands, had made. First verse and the last verse goes like this. The maker of the universe. As man for man was made accursed, the claims of law which he had made unto the uttermost, uttermost means extreme, Unto the uttermost He paid. The throne on which He now appears was His from everlasting years. But a new glory crowns His brow and every knee to Him shall bow. And every knee to Him shall bow. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you've never gotten to a place where you bowed your knees to Him. Simply put, it's, it's, it's a symbolic term for surrender. Did you ever surrender your life to Jesus Christ? If you are here and you've never gotten to that point, I think this is a perfect time because He's reminding you that He loves you so much. The sin is no longer an excuse because He paid for your sin. So if you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, let it be today. Or maybe you're you're a person that you gave your life to Jesus before, but somehow because of wrong decisions, maybe you made some wrong turns here and there, and you feel like you're so far from God, and you're wondering if God still loves you and accepts you. Guess what? He loves you. Why don't you recommit your life today if this is you? So here's what I'm going to do. Whether you're giving your life for the first time or you're recommitting your life to Jesus, I'm going to count to three. And when you hear me say three Don't think about it. If you know this is you, lift your hands. Are you ready? This is your surrender to God. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Go ahead and lift your hands. Is there anybody? Lift your hands. There you go. I see some hands being lifted up. Praise the Lord. God is good. Anybody else? There you go. So if you're lifting your hands, I want you to pray this prayer, okay? You lifted your hands, but I want you to pray this prayer from your heart. And people will support you. Here we go. Say this. Father, I thank you that you sent your only begotten Son. Because you love me so much. He died on the cross for me. He died on the cross for His me. His blood was shed. His blood was the shed. Very blood the very blood that cleansed my sin. That cleansed my sin. No longer are we separated from each other longer are we separated from each other. Forgiveness has been granted. Forgiveness has been, granted. A, new life has been given. a new life has been given. I am a new creation. I am a new creation. Jesus. Jesus. You are my Lord. You are my Lord. And you are my Savior. And you are my Savior. In your name I pray. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Give him praise. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit us at newlifethefort.com.